Today's reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but He has sent the, the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. I'm Tim Householder. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome to Hallelujah. God's richest blessings to you today on this beautiful day. Uh, Just going back real quick before we get... Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things. I was just at the pancake breakfast, amen? Uh, Hopefully you'll head on down, grab a plate, enjoy uh, smearing the sausage around in the syrup, because that's what you're supposed to do with that, those two things. And then we'll all enjoy watching the Packers just trounce, I mean the Bears. Who's going to win? We're in a series called The Heart of Christmas, uh, and today is week three. We've uh, lit the third candle uh, on our wreath, and we're in the season of Advent. Advent is, uh, comes, you know, the, the root of the word comes from a Latin word, adventus, so you want to say adventus? It's always fun to speak Latin. It's very cool. Adventus. Translation, literally, to come. Literally, to come, Adventus. So, as people of faith, it's about the arrival of Jesus at Christmas. The arrival, the expectation, the uh, incarnation of God in flesh in the person of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And we're celebrating that once again this Christmas. But also, I mentioned last weekend, we're living between the times, so to speak. We're living between the times of Jesus' birth about 2,000 plus years ago, and now waiting for Jesus to come back. He promises to return, and at that time, that's where God will complete his plan for all of creation, um, and, and it'll be this incredible moment in history. So we're sort of living between the times. So we look back, and we celebrate Christmas, the advent of Jesus coming to us there in the manger bed, but we're also anticipating his glorious return. If you haven't been with us the last couple weekends, I'll bring you up to speed real quick. 
The first weekend, we talked about a, God, a God's heart that promises. So turn to your neighbor right now and say, God keeps his promises. Do that right now. God keeps his promises. From the beginning of Scripture, from the time we open the cover of our Bibles, God begins what's called covenant relationships with us. Promises he makes with us over the generations that proves his faithfulness. And one of them is he was going to send a Savior, a Christ, a Messiah. And his name was Jesus. God keeps his promises. Last weekend, we met John the Baptist in the River Jordan out in the desert calling people to repent. And so we talked about a a heart of God that wants us to prepare during Advent. So we talked about preparing. And um, there's this great carol uh, we sing every year at Christmas that includes the lyric, let every heart prepare him room. And we talked about just opening up our hearts, maybe reprioritizing some things in there, maybe maybe making room in there for Jesus. Let every heart prepare him room. So God's heart promises, God's heart prepares. Today we're going to talk about the heart of God that celebrates. God celebrates. We're told that when one sinner repents, and 99 don't need to, but, but one sinner comes back to God, heaven has a party. There's more joy in heaven, there's a celebration in heaven. It's in God's heart, it's in God's wiring to celebrate. That part of that second coming I talked about, there's going to be this time of eternal worship and joy that that we can't even get our brains around. It's this incredible opportunity now to celebrate the season of Advent together as the church. Now, that said, I'm going to give you a freebie. Here's the freebie you get to use at the Christmas dinner table with all your loved ones and relatives, or around the tree if you should wait for that moment. Are you ready for the joke? This is a freebie. Ready? Are you ready? Okay. And if you were at one of the services, don't blurt uh, earlier services, please don't blurt out the punchline. Okay. What is red, white, and blue at Christmas? A sad candy cane. Now that's called a groaner. Some of you call that a dad joke. But it is segueing into an important point I'd like to make. Some of you feel like that candy cane. You want to celebrate the season. You want to get to that place of joy. You want your heart to be there, but it's just not there. You're in a transition. You're struggling in a, in a relationship. Things at work or school are beyond challenging. You're mourning the loss of a loved one in your life. Whatever it is, it's holding you back, and you're blue. For those of you who fit that category this morning, and for All of us, the rest of us, we can look to Mary and Elizabeth today in the scripture to find a way and a place to still celebrate the season, to have a heart that still celebrates what God has done for us in Christ. So I'd like to give us a couple, three things to think about 
about the heart that can celebrate this Advent season, no matter what our life disposition is. And um, I want to start out with the first point. The heart that celebrates shares God's gifts with others. The heart that celebrates shares God's gifts with others. Everyone say, shares God's gifts with others. Say it with me. Shares God's gifts with others. You want to get into that place of the season, then do what you were wired up by your creator to do. Give. Give and celebrate those gifts that God has given you to, to share them with other people. Not necessarily material things, but the, the, the blessings in our lives. It's exactly what Mary and Elizabeth did. They shared each other's gifts with one another. In their context, it happened to be their pregnancies. They were both carrying a child, both having a boy. Back before ultrasound could tell you that, God's messenger told them both they were going to have a boy. They had a reveal party and blue, blue powder went up everywhere because they already knew and all their neighbors went, how do you know that? Because there's no ultrasound. And they went, because the Lord told us. Mary was going to have Jesus. Elizabeth was going to have John the Baptist. And as we met him last week, he is the one who's preparing the way for Jesus to show up and begin his public ministry. Mary and Elizabeth shared God's gifts with one another, and this is exactly what people do when their relationship is grounded in faith. Now, I told the following story uh, Christmas Eve of 2011, so if it's a rerun for you, I apologize, but so many new people have come to join uh, the church since then, so I, I, I do want to share it again to make this point. In fourth grade, it was the first year as a 10-year-old that I was going to buy my own presents for my family. I made a budget. I saved up my allowance. Kids, that's something you get from your parents if you don't know what the allowance means. It's something you get that you earn by doing chores around your house. I don't know if, okay, anyway, that's a whole other sermon. But anyways, I saved up my allowance and I made a list, my parents, my two brothers, and I went out on that fateful day with my wad of cash in my vinyl wallet, which had a zipper on the top, and mom took me to the mall, and I went to Woolworths, yes, Woolworths, dating myself now, and I started shopping. And, I, and my mom cut me loose, and I'm dating myself. This is when a fourth grader could go to the mall, and you could cut your fourth grader loose and not really worry about it for a little while. Went to uh, pick up my dad's gift, the green liquid Menin aftershave shaped like a golf driver. Check. My brother Mike. Some uh, football magazine that I knew he liked every year, check. Brother Dave, comic books, check. Mom, still, still a little fuzzy. Not sure. And there, like when Clark Griswold saw the tree, I heard the choral, the angelic chorus of old, as if the lights in Woolworths were shining down on this precious gift just for me in that moment. It was an aha moment. And there I saw this, the cross I was going to give my mom for Christmas. Then I looked at the price tag on the chain, that quality 
linked together metal chain, $6.99. And I thought, I don't care. I'm getting this. I'm getting this. I purchased it. I bought it. I wrapped it. Christmas morning, uh, opening family we were. Everyone looks at one present at a time. I hid this one in the back of the tree. I wanted all the excitement to build up. It finally came to my mom's gift, and I presented it to her. She looked at the tag, to mom from Tim. Oh, thank you. She opens it up. She holds it up. It's glimmering in the light of the morning on Christmas morning. My heart is bursting with joy. She holds it up, and she says, oh, I love it. The family says, pass it around, pass it around. It gets to my brother Mike. He passes it to brother Dave, and brother Dave goes, oh, look, there's some writing on the back. I said, there's writing on the back. My brother Mike says, read it, Dave, read it, Dave. And he, turns across, he has the cross turn around, and it says this on the back, and he reads it out loud, I am a Catholic, please call a priest. My dad was a Lutheran pastor. <laughs> they did exactly what you just did. And I don't blame them. But a 10-year-old's heart ripped in two. I cried and I cried. And in the moment, mom went right into damage control. That's what mom's doing in the moment. Mom goes right into damage control. And she's like, oh, Tim, I love it. I love it. I don't care what it says on the back. I love it. She put it on, and she kept it on all day. So I was like, ah, maybe she does like it. She's 83 years old. Do you know what she wears every Christmas? That cross. And we're a little concerned if she ever needed medical attention on Christmas. <laughs> but we will entrust her to our Roman brother to come and deliver ministry if called upon. But that's what people of faith do this season to celebrate the gifts of God in our lives. So the first thing, if you're that blue candy cane, is, is, and, and whether that you're blue or not, if you're not the blue candy cane, to share the gifts you have with those in your life, to celebrate the gifts of God, to maybe make a list of the blessings that God has given you in your life over the years, to, to, to prioritize the many gifts. Start with the next breath you take. Start with the next heartbeat you have. Start with the relatives you have in your life, the people who care about you, and go down the list and start making that list because as you put that list of blessings together, you may just elevate above the trial you're in right now. It's what Mary and Elizabeth did. Think of the trial she was in. Think of the stuff she was going through as an unwed, engaged teenage mom-to-be. And she showed up. And let's go to the text. Luke 1, 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She hurried. It was a three-day trip, but she hurried. She entered Zechariah's home, which is the husband of Elizabeth, and, and greeted her, Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. That would be Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you better believe she was, because look what comes out of her mouth next. There's no other explanation. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, that you could say the following things. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. 
pause. Any of you that have a Catholic upbringing or a Catholic uh, connection or roots, you will recognize a big chunk there of the Hail Mary prayer. Just a little different translation. But she says, blessed are you, Mary, among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Did you hear what she just called the baby Jesus? The mother of my what? Lord. Elizabeth, related to Mary, here's her greeting. John the Baptist leaps in her own womb. She comes out. She says, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. And what? Why am I the one that my Lord, the mother of my Lord, would come to you? She told her, 44, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, Mary, the baby in my womb leaped for what? For joy. Celebrate. A heart that celebrates is leaping in the womb. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And that ends Mary's joyful sharing of the gifts that God has given to both of these women. Mary starts in in 46, my soul glorifies or magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. You see, Mary knew that her baby was going to be a blessing not just in her life, but for all generations to come. This incredible moment in the Holy Spirit where two women, two pregnant women carrying boys, both knowing what it means, one to prepare the way for the other, the, the other to be the sacrifice, the savior of the whole world. What an incredible moment. And that's what God's people do. We share gifts with one another, and that helps our hearts celebrate all that God has done in our lives. So that's the first thing. The heart that celebrates shares God's gift with others. The next thing to have us think about a little bit is the heart that celebrates moves from anxiety to adoration. Real quick, let's take a look at what happens with Mary in the first chapter of Luke. We meet Mary, and she's greeted by an angel from God who says, you're going to have this, this, this son, this Savior. So she is fearful. So let's take a look at Mary. There she is. She's afraid. She's alone. She's scared. She has no idea what this means. But at the end of the dialogue with the angel of God, the messenger, she comes to a place of acceptance. She has acceptance in verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So she moves from anxiety to acceptance. I'm scared. I'm afraid. But your will be done. I accept this. And then when she starts her, what we call Mary's song, or the Magnificat in verse 46, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now she's progressed to adoration. Of anxiety to acceptance to adoration. Whatever your trial, whatever mine, 
There is a God who keeps his promises, who prepares us and wants our heart to celebrate, our soul to go to this next place. In the midst of her trial, in the midst of her struggle, her soul took her to a higher place. She said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And let the scientists and the theologians and everyone in between debate until Jesus comes back about the, the reality of a soul. But scripture from cover to cover tells us we have a soul. We are body, we are soul. Soul and spirit. And the Bible says, Jesus says, that, that don't let those who can kill uh, the body also kill your soul. And a great theologian, George MacDonald, who lived in the late 1800s, a huge influence on the authors C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. He said this about the soul, and I've, I've never forgot it, and I'll, I, I want to share it with you to see what you think about it. He says, in the first sentence, don't let the first sentence throw you off just yet because there's more than the first sentence, but he says, he says, you don't have a soul. He says, you are a soul. You have a body. Let that sink in for one second. A lot of times we think we just, well, we have this body, we have this mind, we're mortal, we're flesh, we know that, we know all that, but we hope we have this soul. Well, he says, uh-uh, I'm going to flip that over on you. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. Your soul has a body. Scripture calls that a vessel, a jar of clay. We get to live in that in this mortal life. And Mary, in her circumstances, to be a person of celebration, even in the midst of a tough time in her life, she goes, my soul magnifies the Lord. So here's the question for us today. What does our soul magnify in our life? What, what would people say your soul magnifies, glorifies? Because with Mary, it was the Lord. And that's a great reminder in Advent. Are we magnifying the Lord? Is our soul getting to that place of celebration? Well, we've talked about Mary, the heart that celebrates, moves from anxiety to adoration. And uh, the name of our church is Alleluia. Everyone shout Alleluia. Alleluia is the Greek word of the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, Hallelujah. So it's the same word, it's just Hebrew and Greek. Hallelujah literally translates, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everyone shout, praise the Lord. Where do you go to church? Praise the Lord. <laughs> and don't forget the exclamation mark. Because then if you, don't, if you forget that, we're just hallelujah. But if you say it with the exclamation mark, we're hallelujah. Because our name encapsulates where our soul is to be, a heart that's taken by the soul to this place of celebration, counting the blessings of God. So that's the first two things. Let's wrap up. Third thing, the heart that celebrates remembers all God has done. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary knew her son was a fulfillment of God's promises. Look back at 48. She says, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, from now on, generations will call me blessed. She knows this is personal. She knows there's, there's, there's something deeply personal in this calling from God. Make no mistake about it. But she also knows she's part of a bigger story. Because the next thing out of her mouth in, 
50 is, his mercy extends to those who fear him, translate, you know, believe in him, uh, from generation to generation. Think about that. She knew this baby boy would be a blessing in her life, but she also knew it was going to be a blessing for all generations to come. And as you let that sink in, I think we have an opportunity to tangibly do that at Christmas, to do just what Mary did. Because on Christmas Eve, if you worship here, and prayerfully wherever you go, if you're traveling, you will hold a single candle in your hand. We invite you to have a candlelight during the candlelight carol, Silent Night. And for many, this is very personal. It's very personal. You're holding that candle, you're looking at the, the flickering of the light in the dark worship space, and, and you look down and you're reminded of the light of Christ in a dark world and the light of Christ in your own life. And, and over two decades of ministry, I've heard person after person tell me about this deeply profound personal moment where they're holding that candle on Christmas Eve. If you know what I'm talking about, whisper amen. And yet, on that, in that moment, in that personal moment, we know we're a part of something much bigger than ourselves. We're a part of something much, much bigger at Christmas than ourselves. We are in a room full of people called by God to celebrate the season, to have our soul magnify and glorify the Lord, to be reminded of all that God has done in his promises to us, to share God's gifts with one another in joy and celebration, out of all of the joy and love and, and generosity that God has first given to us. In that moment on Christmas Eve, it is very personal, but it's also communal. We are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And so on this third weekend in Advent, my prayer is that your heart will find a place to elevate to come to a place where your soul meets God's love for you in a divine and holy place. And your soul, like Mary said thousands of years ago, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. May we pray. God, in this busy time of year, this hectic season for so many of us, in this sad season for so many of us. We ask your Holy Spirit to come and fill us as it did Mary and Elizabeth on that wonderful day where they shared the joy of what you were doing in the world together. May our soul find that place of, of celebrating as well. And for all of us, Lord, may this be a season of joy, a season of celebration, a season of where we know you are Emmanuel, God with us. For your will is to come and be with us by your Son at Christmas and by your Holy Spirit calling us all to faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we all said together, Amen.